Aotearoa's latest literary sleuth, D.I. Nairi Bradshaw, is faced by a mystifying and culturally challenging case in Catherine Lee's new thriller, The Water's Dead. The D.I. and her team face a race against time to solve two connected mysteries, a missing diabetic child and the murder of a young Māori woman whose body is found dumped in volcanic rock pool. The story set in the far north where Catherine now lives. She's previously written thrillers set in the USA. Yadna Saw reads from The Water's Dead. We've got a body of a young woman come in. She's got no idea on her except a moko. Wimru thinks it could be Huia Coburn. He handed the photo over. Kingy dug a pair of eyeglasses from his pocket and put them on. The corners of his mouth turned down in silent concentration while he squinted over the image. Yeah, that's her. Rawari Cooper's daughter. Yep. What happened? He passed the photograph to the feather-cloaked woman sitting next to him who took in a sharp breath, sadness creasing her features. Kingy Hansen's brow was still crumpled in concern. What happened? Was Hui in an accident or something? Hinari hesitated a moment, considering the situation. We believe her death is suspicious. When do we get her back? The woman asked immediately, exactly what Hinari expected. Soon as we can. We'd like her sooner than that, Hansen said without pause, and we want her back in one piece. You tell your boss we don't want our Fano butchered, chopped up like a piece of meat. We want every bit of her back, just like she left here. And until we get her, we want our Fano with her. You tell your boss that. Catherine, you've been down this path before. When you are creating a character uh, for whom you envisage, you know, a long life, a series of novels, I guess your detective or your sleuth comes first. So what are the characteristics of D.I. Nairi Bradshaw? First of all, she's extremely career-driven. She has thrown everything into her career. And that's been at the expense of her family. She's estranged from her ex. She's basically got no family left. All her family is in in the force. And when I did this, I really made a, a conscious decision to make Nairi the main character, but in actual fact, so is her unit. So we learn about her other officers as well, and we get to know them over the series as well. But, you know, she's very career-driven, beaten her way through the ranks. She's had, you know, all these kind of personal slurs thrown at her from male colleagues in the past. And it's still tough for women to, when I'm writing, I like to approach various issues that people, you know, of all walks of life can come up against. And it's women in the workforce struggling to have a career and sometimes feeling the imposter syndrome and just trying to do their best. Well, she does feel that, doesn't she? Quite quite um, openly thinks that her promotion was because she was a woman, and there was a, a, a competitor for the role, well-respected, who didn't get it. Now, that is going to cause conflict uh, within a force. Exactly. And it's not just in the force. It's in all walks of life. So it's issues like that I like to be able to tackle and and just bring to light in a pretty realistic way. But Nairi is also she's not just career-driven. She cares 
you know, it's not just to find who killed another body. It's to bring resolution for those families as well. So I really like wanted to be able to bring that aspect of a cop's life in, that it's not just about dead bodies. It's about the people that they're trying to trying to help as well. Well, and the environment is often uh, a character as well. And you can think about Oxford for, for Morse and Lewis. Uh, and here you're uh, focusing, Nairi, in the far north. What makes that beautiful part um, of Aotearoa a good spot? It's a great spot because it, whereas it's beautiful, it's rough, it's rugged, we've got the mix of cultures. When I wrote Māori into my into my manuscript, um, a lot of people said, well, you better, you better be a bit careful. I've had sensitivity readers read the book and they felt that it, it represented Māori very well and very positively, which I wanted to do. And to be honest, to be able to write about Far North and leave out Māori characters would be a dreadful act of omission. I mean, you cannot write a story about the North without Māori characters in it. See, so, so you, you've taken my next question <laughs> away from you've anticipated it, Catherine, because I think that is, you know, when I was reading this, I was going, gosh, you know, that's that's a big thing to take on. Uh, you have a victim who is, is Māori uh, and then Nairi and her team are trying to work sensitively with the whānau, some of who are cooperating and grieving, some of whom are not. Uh, but there's an awful lot of delicacy. You're talking about the fact that the Māori want and demand to have the young woman's body returned to them immediately and are very angry at the prospect of this not happening and in, and indeed of an autopsy. Now, these are all issues that have had to be handled very delicately, I mean, in, in real life and in your novel. Absolutely, and they are handled, well, hopefully, with huge respect by the police, by the pathology department, They've all got, they all know the cultural aspects and they are really respectful. I've actually got a, one of my contacts is a pathologist with the police. Um, I can't name that person because she's not representing the police, but she's very kindly given me some great insight. And there is, there's a lot of respect and knowledge of the cultural issues that may arise. Pulling at the heartstrings also, we have the death of a young woman with all that promise that's been lost and the brutality of her murder. But you also have, as part of this mix, a missing child. Um, Lily's only six, she's diabetic, so clearly there is a great sense of urgency and desperation to find her. And this ramps up the pressure on everybody who loves this little girl. Yes, that kind of just popped in. And it's strange because I don't write to a plot. I'm what they call a pantser. I just start writing and see where it goes. And that just popped in in the middle of the, and I thought, golly, that's an interesting thing to have happened. And so then when I get to the end, I wrote three endings for this before I got it right. It, that's the problem with not plotting. And I knew what the ending was when I came up with it. But until then, you know, you've got to, put together all these all these different threads and make sure that they make sense at the end and you've covered everything for a thriller i think that's quite a a brave way of 
of writing towards a conclusion rather than having it all mapped out. Because with thriller writing, we're expecting these little clues to be dropped along the way and some red herrings, of course, also. So it's a very labour-intensive way of working, Catherine, the way you approach this. It is. And writing these books is, it's such a lot of fun. And there are times when I'm banging my head against the wall because I don't know where it's going to go next. But this one took me on a, I moved to the far north in the middle of it. So it took me nearly three years to write. I'm hoping the next one isn't going to take nearly as long. (laughs) Do you have to love your protagonist? Do you have to love your sleuth? I mean, I know Vera by Anne Cleves' character, and of course on TV, played by Brenda Blethyn um, so beautifully, as a a favourite of yours. Uh, And there's a great deal of of affection that comes through from Anne originally and, and the writers now. But for you, do you have to... Do you have to like Nari? Do you have to be in her corner? Absolutely. Although I don't always like everything she does. She's quite flawed when it comes to family. She's so career-driven. She's And she's a little bit flippant sometimes, but she's definitely got that soft side. So that's what I really like about her. Poor old Callahan, her DS, is he actually gets the brunt of a lot of it. But in the second book, that's going to enlarge a little bit more on her, um, I've already started it, on her background without giving too much away. Interrogation room scenes are always kind of pivotal, aren't they, in books and in TV series, you know, uh, when the detective is having it out with a suspect. And you have a moment when she's talking to one suspect where you say a flash of anger burst in the back of Nairi's brain and she has this... She's just has this outburst. She's so furious, so frustrated. And that just shows the human side. It's not professional, the way she, she has yes. this flash of anger. But I guess it's yes. coming back to what you're saying, that she, she cares. Yes, absolutely. And the thing with police procedurals, you know, I've tried so hard to stay close to the procedure. But in actual fact, and I think just about any cop will tell you, if you wrote a procedural in exactly the way it's, it, it happens, you would bore your readers to death. So, I, you know, it's the old adage about writing, just leave out the boring stuff. <laughs> and, of course, one of the hardest things for detectives in real life and, and in these situations is to inform the family of a death, and she has quite a confrontation with the victim's estranged father. And I think those things must be rather hard to write I've always imagined to to get it right with the father because he's Maori I really wanted to to get into the heart and this isn't just his grandchild it's his bloodline it's a child that he's been waiting for and then it comes into the whole the whanau the bloodline and this is why I really began the story with a brief description of what moko is and what that depicts for Maori women. The Water's Dead is the title of Catherine Lee's novel published by Breaklight Press.